let's look now at our all-important radar defense screen. But your regenerated circuits are tuned asynchronously, and that causes concatenation in the intermediate amplifiers. Initiated startup sequence. here at Bishop O'Connell High School. Uh, my name is John Meehan, with you as always, and I'm super pumped today to welcome you to the end of the calendar year and the end of the regular NFL season because we are talking today about fantasy football in an English class. I feel that that's a very weird fit, um, but I'm super pumped to be able to talk about it uh, because for a review activity, this is kind of my favorite thing at the end of the uh, uh, academic year. We have so much content to cover, and it can be really challenging for students to make sense of everything. There's just so many moving parts. Thankfully, in fiction, we have so many characters we encounter and so many themes we encounter. It gives us a lot to talk about, which is great. But the challenge is to talk about it in a way that students get excited and engaged in the material. So um, a few years back, uh, we kicked up this idea of using fantasy football-inspired scoring and metrics and player data and performance trends um, and adapting it for the English class. And it really is a, a big hit. Um, so in a moment, you'll hear a chance from my English classes uh, how that kind of worked as we reviewed first semester content. Um, I'll come in with these little bumpers between to kind of set up each piece of the puzzle to hear what you're, you're listening to. Um, but again, this highly adaptable exercise, and it's a really cool way to get students really fired up and to have a rooting interest in, in, in themes or in characters or concepts you've covered. Um, you'll hear it in an English class, but you just as easily can do something similar in a history class, um, in a religion class, even science classes uh, where you have all the elements on the periodic table, for example, and you want to kind of create teams or rooting interests based around them. Um, if you're a parent listening to this podcast, it's an awesome way to do one of those car games if you're driving uh, many hours to grandma's house over the uh, Christmas break. Um, have a list of characters or people you've encountered or, or traits or things your students are covering in school and let them kind of go to town making cases for and against them. Um, the best part about it, the beauty part, is that the scoring really is immaterial. Um, students just get excited about being able to make a case for or against uh, certain pieces of the puzzle. So I'll we'll try to do that um, in about a minute and a half and then we'll let you just kind of listen to it. Um, so the way that the fantasy football works here in the podcast you're about to listen to, um, the first thing you're going to hear is the draft round. Here, teachers um, or parents um, put up a list of all of the concepts to be covered. In this case, it's an English class, so the concepts will be people. Uh, we have 50 different characters from like 20 different works of literature. Um, putting them up on a big board, if you don't have a big board, you can just easily put them on a handout or make a mental list of all the characters available, or let students brainstorm. And then going back and forth in teams, like an NFL-style draft, like you see in fantasy football, um, each of the teams uh, have a chance to draft the available players who they feel will make for the best um, showing or the most well-rounded team. Um, draft strategies can vary. Some teams want to pick a lot of characters who are similar. Some like to be more well-rounded or balanced. I really leave it wide open. Um, but what you hear here is the draft round, um, where students will have a chance to talk about um, claiming characters from the board and then uh, sort of adding them to their roster. I let each team pick uh, between six and eight characters um, off of the big old list, and we leave the remaining ones sort of as free agents that we can get later on. And then as we get to the game rounds, just like in fantasy football, of the roster you've selected, let's say you have six or seven characters, I ask students to field their strongest three uh, characters who fit whatever trait is being studied. So as a hypothetical, maybe you draft eight characters from 20 different books, and then the trait is leadership. Um, so I ask you, okay, of the characters you've drafted, who are your three strongest leaders? Then students brainstorm together and make cases for um, whatever they have. Um, 
team one and team two go head to head, and then teams three and four get to be the jury and vote who made the stronger argument, which is awesome because then I don't have to make a vote. It's based on student data and student performance and student excitement and the student arguments. And then team three and four uh, have a chance to go head to head on a second personality trait, and then we rinse and repeat the process, and then teams one and two become the voters. Um, it's fun, it's exciting, it's fast paced. Um, here, pay attention for the draft round, and uh, you kind of see how it unfolds. I'm super excited to uh, let you hear it uh, play out. Thanks, and I'll be back in a little bit. In a moment, we are going to start the draft phase of our fantasy football showdown. Here's how it works. There are 50 names on the board. That's way too many names. Each team will draft seven players. And the way it works is a zipper draft. So team one, then two, three, then four. Four, then three, then two, then one. One, then two, then three, then four until we get to seven. As soon as you claim whoever you claim, they come off the board and no one else can speak for them. Does that make sense? Now, keep in mind, we have characters who are, we have characters who have a lot of depth, a lot of nuance, that's why I put them in the quarterbacks category. They're three-dimensional. And we have characters who are a little less filled out as we work our way over. But our characters will meet in showdowns about personality traits. And I don't know which one we're going to get for any given matchup. So you can run your team a bunch of different ways. You can double down and get a whole bunch of people who have the same kind of personality traits. Or you can try to be more wide with it and get people who have multiple personality traits that they are uncovered. Each round, we'll draft a total of one time all day long. You'll have seven players, and they're yours to keep. Then for each matchup, you'll take the three players on your roster you think are the best fit, and you'll make them their starting lineup up against somebody else's starting lineup. Does that make sense? So, your three best against their three best, but again, I don't know what you're gonna pick or how you're gonna pick them. After each round is over, if you don't win, you have a chance to go back to the waiver wire, drop one player off your team and pick up somebody else to kind of freshen up your piece of the puzzle. But we're gonna go ahead very quickly, brainstorm, and then start our drafting process. When you've got 35 seconds to plan your draft strategy, then we'll get into it. Team Huckman, who's your first round draft pick? Go ahead. Uh, QB, Hester Prynne. Hester Prynne will be the quarterback over there. Team two, which is the Bartle Bucks. Who is your first round draft pick? Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton gets the first round draft pick there. Team three, who's your first rounder? Robert Jordan. Robert Jordan, from whom the bell tolls. Okay, team four, who's your first rounder? Huck Finn. Huck Finn will captain that team. Now, reverse the zipper draft, so we're gonna go team uh, four. You guys now have your first round draft pick. Who will be your second pick then? Go ahead there, team four. Jim. Jim from Huck Finn. So they're doubling down on Huck Finn style, okay? Team three, who will you pick? Me? George Washington. So team uh, three goes here. Uh, team two, who will your pick be? Thoreau? Okay, so team two goes for throw, and then team number one, your pick is? Angelica. Angelic Schuyler, last pick in the first round for team number one. All right, round three starts off. Team number one, you get first pick for round three. Who do you pick? Maddie Silver. Maddie Silver, picked up from Ethan Frome. Go ahead there, uh, you guys, for the second, I'm oh, sorry, third pick for team two. Ethan from coming up here, so that's team two. Team three, who's your pick for round three? 
Pearl, sleeper pick here in the defense. Excellent, okay? Team four, who's your pick for round three? Binks Bowling from the movie goer. Nice. Team four, you get your fifth rounder, and the first pick you pick for the fifth round will be? Team four, you get the first dibs on this. Pilar from For Whom the Bell Tolls goes to team four. Aaron Berg claimed here by team three. Um, team two, go ahead. Roger Chillingworth off the board now for team two. And then team one, Tom Sawyer. Okay, this is the sixth round. Six rounders, go ahead, you guys, team one. Who are you gonna pick? Thomas Payne. All right, now, six round pick for team two. Who do you have? Who got? Zena from, sure, absolutely. So Zena's way up here. Um, team uh, Eliza Hamilton here says team three. Team four? Patrick Henry, who is here. All right, last time through it here, you guys get first pick for this round. Who do you want team four? The King from Huck Finn goes to team four. Ben Franklin goes to you guys here. Where is he? Got him here. Thank you, Kay. Team two, who do you got? And that's your secret weapon. I like it. And then you guys know what? Oh, oh, Jake. Jake from Hills Like White Elephants. All right, I'm going to go ahead and pause it there. Activity there, and I hope you had a chance to hear it play out in real time. Is students had a chance to pick whoever made sense to them. Um, what I love about so many different things in English class is it allows uh, different ways to read things and student choice. Uh, what we're finding more and more in education research is the more that students have a chance to uh, have their voices heard. Um, think about like a social media culture, right? That everyone tweets and retweets or posts and shares and likes and favorites. Um, we're shifting from a a teacher-centric model that is the teacher talking and explaining what's important rather to um, like a consumer-based model or a student-centered model that says hey what's important to you and then letting students make the cases for why they have selected what they've selected which is what we call in teaching uh, metacognition it's thinking about why we think how we think um, and you notice as those kind of teams came together some of them went really wide picking one or two characters from multiple stories um, others went really deep picking multiple characters from the same story or the same genre and you'll see very quickly that they're team building strategies, um, almost like picking the pieces of Legos you would use to make a castle, for example. Um, you have a different idea in mind, uh, but as we hit the matchup section, and um, we'll hear some examples of that now, some of these went really, really well because they picked a team that was uh, able to be more uh, three-dimensional and, and diverse, and others found themselves in trouble if the personality trait we drew uh, just didn't happen to line up with uh, the type of team they had kind of in mind for themselves. So some of those risks didn't quite pay off. Or pan out. Um, I'm going to take you now into the classroom itself. Uh, we're going to rejoin the conversation, this time with one of the personality traits that's now been drawn. So the teams have been picked, and each team, I guess, has six or seven players on it, and the students on that team will now have a chance to field their best available roster um, for the personality trait in question. So you'll hear the game kind of pick up from here. And uh, what, I, what I love about it, again, is the instructions uh, were really simple. If you're one of the participating teams, uh, you have a chance to make a case for your three strongest characters. 
Um, if you're one of the listening teams, it's up to you to kind of weigh the evidence that the other students are bringing up and kind of keep tabs or eyes on things that you might um, want to be hearing about characters you felt were stronger or weaker for a particular trait, which again guarantees that every student in the class is not only taking part in things through talking, um, but also through listening and really kind of going back through their own notes and referring back to text evidence to make the case for um, how these characters line up. Um, you're here, again, like I said, you're in English class, but you certainly can do the same thing uh, in, in, any, in any discipline. And so it was a real uh, fun thing to kind of watch students uh, sort of get fired up about these things. So I'm gonna hit pause now and put you right back in the classroom. Take a listen now as the first personality trait uh, round unfolds. Here we go. Team Huckleberry Wynn, you are now making your case for the trait of wisdom, the three characters you drafted, who you think are most wise. Go ahead, Huck Wynn, who do you pick? Um, okay, so for the first one, we chose Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine, okay, um, and the other two are? Oh, the other two are Angelica. Angelica from Hamilton, and? Yes, and Hester Prince. Hester Prince, so two women, one men, two fiction, one fact. Why did you pick what you picked? Well, we believe Thomas Paine, because in his pamphlet, Common Sense, he really was describing why the revolution was inevitable, and he's very tech-savvy with his arguments, and he showed how using the revolution for the colony was more beneficial than being a colony. Okay, and Angelica, even though she is in literature here, she is a real character. Why'd you pick her? Uh, well, for Angelica, she was like very smart for a girl of her time, which she actually read to uh, Common Sense by Thomas Paine, and um, she also realized like that um, she had to give up uh, Hamilton for her sister so that uh, her sister could be in love and she like decided to get money for her family and stuff instead of like <coughs> herself to bring the man that she loved. So there's a lot of wisdom in her decision. And the last person you had on the list was who? Hester Prince. And why did yeah. you say Hester Prince? We think Hester Prince is one of the most popular characters that we've studied this year because she does the best for everyone and she has a very mature outlook on life and she doesn't play into lies, especially if she doesn't lie to herself. She just accepts what's given to her and deals with that as a very wise person. Okay, so now it's up to team two to beat your argument. Team two, you're the Bartle Bucks. Who are your three most wise characters? Nice and loud for the podcast and everyone in class to hear. Go ahead. Uh, Thoreau, Roger Chillingworth, and uh, Zenobia from. So real life Thoreau, then fictional Chillingworth, and fictional Zenobia from. Why'd you say what you said? Go ahead. For Thoreau, he loves the, no, he helped lead the romanticism movement towards um, where it, like, became wherever. There's wisdom in leading romanticism, yeah. the whole, whole, whole movement. And he allowed okay. people to begin a different perspective, whether it was a good perspective or bad perspective. He allowed people to advance in like, their okay. emotions and feelings. Okay. For Chillingworth, uh, he, was, he was wise in a bad way. Like, he was very sinister and cunning, and he knew what was going on the entire time. So, I mean, although he's he a very negative character, he was still aware. There's still wisdom in it. And he said Xena from, too? Yeah. Why'd you say that? We said Xena because she knew what was going on, like with Ethan and Maddie. Like, he wasn't, or she wasn't oblivious to what was happening around her. She knows he shaves every day. So yeah. there's a wisdom in her ability to perceive around her household. <laughs> now the power shifts from our talkers to our listeners. Here, so on our listening teams, it'll take a total of seven votes to win it by a show of hands. Who here says the stronger argument was made by Team Huck Wynn? Hands that high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Who here says the vote uh, would be for the other team? Just one. I think the team goes vote for Huck Wynn. Yeah. Nice job. All right.
So we pick up our conversation now as we finish that first round, and you see, um, based on the student vote, it really determines the outcome. Um, again, I really love this from a teaching standpoint because the students are doing all of what we call the cognitive lifting. All of the thinking comes from the kids. Uh, it's not me as a teacher arbitrarily assigning points, like if you pick X character, then he gets worth so-and-so points, or so-and-so character is worth uh, you know, whatever amount I've, I've you know, picked for myself. Um, so much of 21st century learning is forcing students to kind of go into uh, the available text, and that could be online text, that could be print text, that could be research. Uh, databases, libraries, um, and make a case for not just what you believe, but why you believe, and be prepared to defend it. Um, and I really love that this, this style of learning is what we call dialogic. It's like a dialogue. Um, from conversation, we get stronger, and we can kind of tease out points and push further for, for clarification. It's really a time-tested model we call the Socratic Seminar, where Socrates, famous teacher in ancient Greece, um, would just sort of pose a question and let people talk. And what we find is the more that we talk to one another, the more we learn how to listen, the more we develop shared understandings, and we really can push for deeper learning. So uh, we're right back in here with round two, and I hope this one uh, makes sense for you. Different topic altogether, different set of characters. Um, let's see if uh, students can make a better round this time. And see as things get a little heated, uh, watch how students kind of you know defend themselves uh, in, a, in a productive, uh, like I said, totally appropriate sort of way um, to make the case for the second personality trait. Again, rinsing and repeat the same process here for the second round of uh, Team Showdown. Take a listen. All right, our next trait is bravery. And this is a showdown between the Mississippi River Raptors and the Pat Daddies, both named after Huck Finn. So the three most brave characters you guys drafted for Team River Raptors. Who'd you pick? Robert Jordan, George Washington, and Eliza Hamilton. Okay, so Robert Jordan, from whom, from whom the bell tolls? Yes. Hamilton, uh, I'm sorry, from Hamilton you picked two? Washington? No, George Washington. Real life George Washington. And the other character was? Eliza Hamilton. Okay, Shh. so let's hear why. Go ahead. Uh, Robert Jordan. Code hero Hemingway stuff so we saw from Robert Jordan. Anybody else? Go ahead, Zach. George Washington is George amazing. You only need to have a basic understanding of history to understand why he was so brave. Like, it's pretty much self explanatory. This is ethos writ large, right? This guy is, 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 is brave as they come. Yeah. Probably the bravest personality he picks. He led an army that was largely largely outnumbered by the British, but they over but they overcame these odds. He's a real tactic, uncommon. To the British tax fighting tax of fighting. Okay. And there's a bravery in that. Last but not least, you said. Uh, we have Eliza Hamilton. Okay, why? Who, she marries none other than Alexander Hamilton. So, well, who we know is literally. I can't think of a good word for him. But she literally goes through an entire scandal with him. She's able to pull through that. She's able to forgive him after a while. After he dies shortly, she, she lives for another 50 years. He ca she carries on his work. No matter what happened to her during that time, she carries on her work. She starts an orphanage. She just does so much. And honestly, I don't know how someone can carry that bravery. And there's a personal bravery in enduring all the stuff that she endured. OK. Um, you guys from Team Pat Daddies, who are your three bravest characters? Uh, we picked Huck Finn. Huck Finn? Uh, Pilar. Pilar from For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah. And? And Patrick Henry. All right, to make a case for any of these guys, you got about a minute on the clock. Go ahead. Oh, Huck Finn is pretty brave because at the beginning of the book, um, he just runs away from home at like age thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. And then once he's away, um, he fakes his death with his drunken father, and then like 
hides in the grass when they go looking for him and eats like bread filled with mercury or something like that. <laughs> so he's brave in his escape tactics. Okay, any other two characters? And, uh, uh, and um, not only does he escape on his own, but he escapes with a slave, and slaves were perceived as like the worst people back okay. then. Okay. Not even people, not even people. You guys have two other characters, you got 20 seconds on the clock, go ahead. Okay, Pilar was really brave because uh, she never took like any like, uh, like bad words from all the other soldiers <laughs> on the, uh, at the camp, and Pablo was basically, um, he was the captain, but like when Robert Jordan first meets her, uh, she tells Robert that uh, he, or that she's running. So she's running the camp. And your third choice was? Patrick Henry. Quickly, uh, go ahead. So he was a revolutionary, he came up with all these new ideas. Uh, his quote, give me liberty or give me death, it shows his bravery like with ease. It shows that he fights for what he believes is right, no matter the cost. All right, we're going to raise hands and vote on this. It's a close battle here between the River Raptors and the Pap Daddies. By a show of hands, who do you think the River Raptors have a stronger case? One hand, two hand, three. Who here says it's this team over here? All right, tap that as you pick up another point. This job. So as we mentioned in the introduction, there are three phases to the game. Um, first, we draft. Uh, then we, you know, go head to head uh, on the personality traits. And the last step is after we've done the head to heads, we do a scoring, and uh, again, it's decided by the votes of, of the class. And we hit what we call the waiver wire, so we can pick up available free agents and let students have a chance to double dip back in, um, maybe make some changes to their, to their teams based on perceived strengths or weaknesses. Um, again, talking about metacognition. I love it because it forces students to think three-dimensionally, um, ways to strengthen their team by adding personalities that might not be represented on their current roster. Um, so much of education research is saying that we learn from uh, being able to correct our mistakes or opportunities to go back in and take a second crack at something. Um, that practice makes perfect, um, and in a review activity like this, where there really is no penalty, uh, why not go back and take multiple bites of the apple? Um, if it means that everybody knows the content a little deeper, then I guess we all win. So here you'll hear uh, what we call our waiver round, um, and it's a chance for students to kind of jump in and drop one player from their team who might not be performing, or they feel like they've already exhausted that person's uh, wealth or resources, and then add somebody else who was available on the team. And you'll hear that some teams uh, picked somebody and other ones chose to stay who they had. Um, I think it's a real testament to students kind of, again, believing in their own work and helping to always create and author their teams. Even stuff like the Build-A-Bear workshop and the malls, it's all about customization and being able to, to make something that fits your particular version of uh, you know, what you want it to look like. So why not give students a chance to do it? Um, it's really cool to watch how students uh, kind of come, come together and, and put their uh, brains, you know, power together and make cool things together. I'm going to say together again because it really helps coming together. So here's a, here's an example of our waiver wire round. Take a listen. All right, here we are on the waiver round. If you have a roster that you want to freshen up, sometimes grabbing somebody who's a free agent can really help you out. You guys, you had somebody you're not really impressed with. Uh, Bartle Bucks, do you want to drop anybody and add someone else to your team? Yes. Who do you want to drop? Thoreau. You're dropping Thoreau from your team. Okay, and who are you picking up? The Duke has been added as a free agent signing to Team Bartle Bucks. Okay, Zach, your team in the back was Mississippi River Bandits. You're dropping somebody, yes, Zach? Yeah, we're dropping, we're dropping Eliza, Eliza Hamilton. You're dropping Eliza Hamilton. She didn't win for your last round, so who are you picking up in her space? Thomas Jefferson, who is still on the board, amazingly. Okay, uh, you guys, Team uh, Pep Daddies, you want to drop somebody? No. No. You're feeling good about your roster. You won two points. Excellent. 
And then uh, Team Huckleberry win. You want to drop somebody? The Scottish have both got dropped that round. Who you picking up? Maria. We're picking up Maria from from Beltol. All right, we're back at it. This time around, I want our two winning teams to go battles with one another. So. So that's it for today's podcast, and I hope you guys had a great time listening. Um, what I really dig about so much of this, again, is that students are doing all of the work. Rather than a teacher creating a review activity with a series of questions, um, we asked one question, you know, which character has the most blank? And whatever the trait is that it's available, it's up to the students and their notes and their feedback and their reading of the text to go about this information and to kind of find ways through it um, in ways that make sense to them. Uh, and because there's so many avenues to explore, they're turning over rocks and like looking in like unexplored places that I wouldn't, as a teacher, have even thought of exploring. And they're on the spot. They're able to be steered by their colleagues or their classmates. And you know, where appropriate, we can still sort of like hit the pause button from the game uh, between rounds or activities and kind of just dialogue very quickly about why one team won or why one team uh, you know had a stronger roster and, and uh, maybe what changes they needed to make. Um, and I love it because it provides instant feedback for me as a, as a teacher about ways that uh, we can do better, uh, areas that we can improve, and things that they might have missed in their notes. It's not uncommon in a note session like this for students to say, hey, I don't remember who that character is, or we don't really have a strong case to make for that person, which again is a perfect opportunity for reteaching. So this is really nerdy and really fun, but it's a great way to look into how your students are learning really what we can do as teachers to make um, their lives better. If you're a student listening today, I hope you had a great time. Um, this is a fun activity, and if you have a classroom where you think this would work, feel free to ask your teacher about it. Um, as a teacher, I'm happy to share information with everybody. Um, we all get smarter by learning from one another. Um, this is an idea that we do in the English department, um, but I'm sure there are other ways that we, uh, we can do better. So please, feel free to give us that information. If you're a parent and this sounds like fun or interest to you, uh, please shoot me a line uh, at MeehanDJO on Twitter or feel free to shoot an email to uh, you know my email address. I'm jmeehan at Bishop O'Connell. Um, let us know ways we can help you guys. Our goal is to, uh, you know, like I said, meet the needs of our students. You guys are the ones, uh, I say it over and over again, I happen to teach the class, but it is your class. And we're here to make sure that you understand the material. And I think this is a great way to get a, a real read on that stuff for you guys. Um, on a personal note, have a wonderful, safe, and happy, and very blessed holiday. Um, it's a great time to be at O'Connell High School, but it's an even greater time to be with our families over the break. Um, enjoy it, and we'll be back again for uh, information or podcasts over the break. But in the meantime, just enjoy being home. Um, and uh, we'll see you guys back in January for the start of the uh, next uh, year with all good things to come on down the line. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week.